0: Well, it's great to have everybody here as we continue our series on Rethink Happiness. We're looking at eight secrets to a happy life, walking through the Beatitudes of Jesus. You know, there's no more quintessential teaching of Jesus than what we find in the Beatitudes. In the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, we find the core of the message, the Beatitudes, kicking it off. And so what Jesus says to us way back then is as powerful and pertinent to us here today. And I know that you're diving into this as much as I am. You know, we've been talking uh, about uh, each week, uh, you know, what makes us happy? You know, what is happiness all about? And uh, I was just thinking about the fact, you know, Kathy Matthews, who attends our tradition service, asked me to do a two-hour sermon this morning through the book of Leviticus. But I'm not going to do that. That's another thing for you to be happy about. And Deacon Al Gingras asked me to do a three-hour sermon this morning on the genealogies of the Bible, and I'm not going to do that either. So you have two more things to be happy about. So you came in here, maybe happy, maybe sad. Those are two more things to be really, really happy about. I thought it was interesting to read this week that happiness is maximized in our life at 57 degrees Fahrenheit. How many knew that? 57 degrees. Oh, man. And here you thought it was 95 degrees uh, healthier people are 20% happier than average. That makes sense. People who exercise regularly are happier. That makes sense to me. People who get enough sleep are happier. That one also makes sense. Uh, I read a little uh, further and it said sleep deprived students remember 81% of negative words and only 31% of positive words. Uh, we need to get more sleep, folks, is what that tells me. I love this quote by Victor Hugo. He says, The greatest happiness of life is the conviction that we are loved, love for ourselves or rather loved in spite of ourselves. And that's a powerful powerful quote. And as Christians, we understand that better than anybody because Jesus Christ loves us uh, even when we don't deserve it. Jesus said true happiness, internal joy, is anchored in an eternal God. And as we walk through these eight secrets to a happy life, we find the secret to happiness that Jesus is trying to communicate. Not only to his hearers back then. It was radical, radical news back then. But it's just as radical and just as important today. Number one, accurately assess yourself. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Realize who you are and who you're not. Admit your mistakes. Blessed are those who mourn. Beatitude number three, respect others. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Beatitude number four, do the right thing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Number five, forgive for Freely, blessed are those who are merciful, who walk in other people's shoes, if you will. Question your own motives, number six. Blessed are the pure in heart. There's no guile or manipulation. Today, promote peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemaking is noble, noble work. It's something that we have called to. It's something that Jesus exemplified. And it's something That is so, so important, and peacemaking takes many different forms. You know, uh, all of us have experienced conflict at one time or another. How many have experienced conflict with somebody else? Let me see your hands. The rest of you are liars! (laughs) I mean, conflict. I've got two hands up and all ten toes. Uh, Conflict is natural. Conflict is normal. Conflict is a part of life. Unless you're a hermit living up in the mountains and you're never, ever, 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 ever around people or anything, uh, you're going to experience conflict. It happens in nations, countries, states, counties, cities, schools, families, internally in individual people. I feel like uh, my life is about 95% conflict. (laughs) I got my own issues that I'm kind of working on and, uh, you know, family-related circumstances and conflict isn't always bad. It's just you're working through issues. And then as a pastor, you've got several hundred people, and you kind of are involved in their conflict. And then you're leading an organization like a church, and there's conflict, and there's financial conflict, and there's people conflict, and then there's a staff, and there's missions organizations, and denominational concern. It just seems like uh, there's a lot of conflict. And so you have to decide early in life how you're going to deal with conflict. Because conflict is basically automatic. The only thing that uh, you can really count on is is that there's going to be some kind of conflict. So we've got to decide in advance, how are we going to deal with conflict? And to me, the Beatitudes are so vitally important because they must inform us and guide us. I'm going to either rise above conflict or I'm going to be buried by it. Here's what the Mayo Clinic says. Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness, which is Beatitude number five, can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, uh, less stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem. Derwin Gray goes on to write in his book on the Beatitudes, Despite the benefits of being a peacemaker, which entails forgiveness, patience, grace, and humility, essentially all the Beatitudes, We often choose not to engage in reconciliation and forgiveness because it's just too hard. It's just too hard. But I would say this, while peacemaking is hard, Jesus Christ calls us to it. There's nothing simple about the gospel. There's nothing simple about living the Jesus life. We need to sacrifice self, and we need to live for God and for other people. So let's take a look at peace and peacemaking here today in these few moments that we have. I want you to first of all look at three types of peace and then we're going to look at three truths about peace. Now the three types of peace as you see on the screen is first of all peace with God. That's what Jesus Christ came to earth to provide for us. We can make peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are estranged from God. We're at enmity with God. Our sin has separated us from God. There is no hope to be reconciled to God except Jesus came and he became the bridge between sinful man and a holy God and through Christ, we can find peace with God. Can I hear a big amen to that? But there's also the peace of God, and that's what we need almost every day. That's when we're going through the storms of life, we need the peace of God. When we're going through crises in life, when we're going through losses in life, when we're grieving, when we're deeply challenged, we need the peace of God that passes all understanding. That is the peace that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then we also need to make peace with other people. Peace with other people. And that's really the important work of peacemaking. There are also three truths that I want us to look at. And I've listed them here with a a variety of scriptures. Now, all of these are in your notes, so we're not going to spend all the time we would normally uh, spend because they're all there in the notes. But I want you to notice the first uh, truth about peace is that we need peace. Life can be painful. How many would agree with that? Uncertainty can be unsettling. How many would agree with that? Challenges can be overwhelming. Anybody agree with that? Here's what Jesus said. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Paul said in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4. We need peace, and every one of us know that, and that's the easy thing to understand. But we're also called to peace. God wants to promote peace. He wants to promote peace through us. He wants us to be peacemakers. And I want you just to think about the condition of your relationships, the status of your relationships. Are they troubled? Are they going well? Are there areas that need to be addressed? Are there people problems that you're having, conflicts that need to be reconciled? God wants us to promote peace. Look at what it says here in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because you are called to peace. 2 Corinthians 13.11 Finally, brothers, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. Proverbs 12, 20, promote peace. Promote peace. Isaiah 52, 7, proclaim peace. Proclaim peace. Matthew 5:9, of course, blessed are the peacemakers. And then 1 Peter 3:11, seek peace and pursue it. All over Scripture, we are challenged to be peacemakers. And I want you to really think about it because we live in a day and an age where contempt and hatred and discord and mudslinging is the order of the day. And I want to challenge you to try to reconcile that with these scriptures. And let me just give you a little clue. You can't. You either choose that path or you choose the Jesus path, which is all about peacemaking. And you have to decide for you. I've already decided for me, and I've already decided for this church. This church is about grace, not grievances. This church is about peacemaking. It's about living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leading like Jesus. It's about building bridges to lost people who are on their way to hell and helping them find peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to think deeply about that today. Number three, Jesus is our peace, and he desires to work his peace through us. Isaiah 9-6, we're coming up on Christmas, and of course this is a scripture we quote almost every Christmas. He is the Prince of Peace. Ephesians two fourteen. Paul says, For he himself is our peace. The angels proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's only possible through Jesus Christ who is our peace. He brought us peace, Isaiah 53-5 says, and we can have peace with God, Romans 5-1. What is Jesus saying here? in these Beatitudes. What is he saying in this particular Beatitude, Beatitude number seven? I want to give you just a few overarching principles, and then we're going to dive into some application points. He says in this Beatitude, Rob, you will be blessed when you promote peace. Secondly, others will be blessed when you promote peace. People around you will be blessed by your faithfulness. And God is blessed when you promote peace. Those are three things that he says. Four, peace is not the absence of trouble. It's peace in the middle of trouble. I think that's important. You know, God doesn't say, I'm going to give you peace so you'll never ever have trouble. No, I'm going to give you peace in the middle of trouble. There's going to be a hurricane, but you can find peace in the eye of the hurricane. You may be going through a storm, but you can rest in the palm of his hand. It's not the absence of trouble. It's peace in the middle of trouble. Peacemaking is not the same as peacekeeping. I mean, we don't just make, Peace, you know, we don't keep peace no matter the the topic or the cost. It's not peacekeeping, never have any conflict. It's there's going to be conflict, there's going to be problems, there's going to be things that need to be reconciled. And so do the noble work, the Christ like work of making peace. Build people, build relationships, and build relational bridges of peace with people. It's going to be hard, hard work. It's not peace at all costs. It's peacemaking regardless of the cost. Making peace will require engagement, dealing with issues, resolving conflict. And peacemaking is about right relationships with God and man. So when we talk about peacemaking, obviously this is a message about how we deal with people, how we deal with conflict, and how we be like Jesus Christ in the midst of those kinds of things. I like what William Barclay says in his commentary. He says, the man who divides men is doing the devil's work. The man who unites men is doing God's work. Jesus says, blessed are those who build people, build relationships, and build relational bridges to people. Jesus says, that's what my kingdom is all about. My kingdom is about peacemaking. My kingdom is about these eight beatitudes. This is what my kingdom is about. What is your kingdom about? That's what Jesus is asking us today. Blessed are the peacemakers. You build people, you don't break people down. You build bridges to people. You don't blow up bridges between people. Now, this is a hard season. I've talked with many of you and uh, many others besides who have talked about families who have been fractured, relationships ruined, friendships destroyed. I'm Just all sorts of people believe what they believe, and they oppose those who don't believe as they believe. And there's just no mixture. There's no understanding. There's definitely no peacemaking. It's a really, really challenging season. And I think this beatitude, as well as all the others, but maybe mostly this one, especially since we're talking about it here today, is one that we really, really need to think through thoroughly. You know, it's, when I talk to people, it's as if they say, you know, the Bible was written and Jesus shared his teaching and all of it is, the, is what we need to follow, except when you come to 2020, 2021, and maybe thereafter. That's where you throw all of the Bible out the window and go with contempt. That will be much more effective. Go with competition. Go with hatred. How about discord? How about anger? You know, when you get to 2020, Jesus says, that's when you forget about the Beatitudes. You throw it all out the window, and you just go gunning for people. You say, Rob, I can't help myself. When I get on social media, I just get so mad at people, I throw hatred and discord and contempt at them. I've got a piece of advice for you. Stay off social media. You say, Rob, I just can't help myself. When I get around this person or that person, I just turn negative and sour. Build some boundaries that put you in a better position to succeed. There's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus says, hey, throw out my good teaching and my kingdom way of living and go with what you want to go with. And yet, we see it everywhere. And we have to constantly evaluate ourselves, determined to emulate Christ if we're going to elevate the level of our living. And that's a message for me. That's a message for you. That's a message for all of us. God, help us as Christians point people to Jesus. Help us as a church not drive people away, but draw people to Jesus. The mission of God, the purpose of the church, is to bring people to a better understanding of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in the few minutes that we have, I want to get really practical and when I want to talk about the path to peacemaking, I want to talk about how do we become peacemakers? Because I know this—if I know anything—there are people within the sound of my voice that say, "Rob, I really want to honor Christ. I want to put Jesus first. I, I want to—I want to be a, a, a great ambassador of Him. I want to point people to Him." But I am in some very conflicted, conflictual uh, relationships right now. Things are really estranged, really difficult. It may be with my spouse, it may be with uh, my parents, with my children, with uh, people outside my immediate family, extended family maybe, maybe circle of friends, work associates, school friends, whatever the case may be. So what is the path to peacemaking? What does Scripture say about how I become a peacemaker? Well, I like to start with the first principle, and that is this. If I am going to be a peacemaker, I must be ruled by Christ. I must be dominated. I must be monopolized. By Jesus Christ. It's not just fair-weather Christianity. It's not just hearsay Christianity. I am determined to be completely dominated by Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. And be thankful. As you look at this next slide, you've seen this before but I've made the case throughout the series that the Beatitudes are sequential. And I want you just to notice for a moment that if I am gonna be an effective peacemaker, I need to have the reservoir of the first six flourishing in my soul. I need the power and the strength and the benefit of Beatitudes one through six if I'm gonna make number seven, uh, you know, make a chance at that being a win. Beatitude number one, Blessed are the poor in spirit. I need to know that I desperately need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am lost without him. Blessed are those who mourn. I realize that I'm a sinner, and I need to run from sin. It is destructive, and it is devastating, and I need to run from it as fast as I can. I need to be saddened. I need to be sickened by sin. Relational sin, contempt, hatred, discord, I need to run from that like I can run from nothing else. I need to run from sin. Blessed are the meek. I need to be humble. I need to have pride and arrogance and narcissism, you know, flushed out of my life completely. Uh, I need to be more like Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 talks about how he humbled himself. I need to have the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ. We live in a day and age where people say, no, it's my rights. It's this. It's that. It's the other thing. And, and, we, and we fight for me, myself, and I. Jesus says, be meek. Be humble. Serve God first, others second, self third. I need a hunger and I need a thirst after righteousness. To do the right thing, the godly thing, the kingdom of God thing, the heavenly thing. How can I become more like Jesus? How can I live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus? Blessed are the merciful, I need to be forgiving. Peacemaking and forgiveness work together a lot. In many, many circumstances, am I willing to forgive freely? Or am I going to not forgive? And when I don't forgive, I throw that person and myself in a dungeon like we talked about a few weeks ago. Pure heart. Is my heart pure? Is it manipulative? Is it angry? Is it jealous? Is it resentful? What's going on in my heart? You see, if I build my life on those first six, I've got a fighting chance to be a good peacemaker. But if I'm ignoring the first six and just kind of going off on my own strength and ability, good luck. It's just not going to happen. I need the strength of God, the help of God, the wisdom of God, the heart of God, the knowledge of God to help me. That's why I think these are sequential. They help me be the people God wants me to be. What is at the core of conflict? Have you, have you thought about that recently? James tells us in chapter 4, verse 1, he said, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have what you want. Uh, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motives. Basically, At the core of conflict, most often is selfishness, wrong motives, you know, battling, you know, desires that battle within you. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. But he gives us more grace. That is what the scripture says. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So I want to ask you again, what defines your life? Grievances or grace? I know a lot of people that what defines their life is grievances. Grievances against this person, grievances against that person, Grievances against society, grievances against government, grievances, grievances, grievances. And that is what defines them. Is that what defines you? Is that what you want to define you? Is that what Jesus wants to define you? Or is it grace? See, being a peacemaker doesn't doesn't mean that we just ignore the problems. No, it means... With the help of Jesus Christ, we try to bridge problems. We deal with the problem in a Christ-like manner. And that requires grace. How I relate to God and relate to other people is the grace question. Is the grace of Jesus flowing into my life? If so, we must allow it to flow from our life to other people. And that is how we build people, that's how we build relationships, and that's how we build relational bridges to people. You don't get together with somebody that's on the other side of an issue and just kind of beat them into submission. That's not how you win hearts, that's not how you win souls, and it's certainly not how you win people to faith in Christ. So I just ask you the question, you choose for you, I've already chosen for me, And I have chosen for our church At every possible opportunity we want to elevate and celebrate the grace of Jesus Christ. I may live one more day, I may live one more month, I may live one more year, I may live a little bit longer. But in every way and in every day, I want the grace of Christ to flow through me. We all have to figure out what that means and how that must be applied in every circumstance. But one thing we know is Scripture says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's the battles that desires, the motives, the wrong motives that battle within you. Number two, commit to being a virtuous Christ follower. Virtuous Christ follower. As a Christian, does following Jesus Christ Matter? You say, Rob, of course it does. What do you ask? No, really think about it. Because I'm not sure if Christians think about this a lot. It's kind of like I'm a Christian in name only, and now let me just kind of go through life and do whatever I want to do. But if we're going to be peacemakers, if we're going to walk the path of peacemaking, we need to commit to virtuous Christ following. I need to become a, a virtuous Christ follower. Jesus said, if anyone has come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself daily, and follow me. Following Jesus is what Christianity is all about. Living the Jesus life is what Christianity is all about. Doing what Jesus wants us to do is what Christianity is all about. Paul said, follow me as I, what? Follow Christ. So what does it mean to follow Jesus. Well, it means that living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leading like Jesus really matters. What does it mean to follow Christ? It means living out the eight Beatitudes really matters. What does following Christ mean? Well, it means living in accordance to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, really matters, and the fruit of the Spirit really matters, and peacemaking really matters. What are some examples of peacemakers in the Bible? Let me just give you a couple. First of all, Joseph, remember the story of Joseph? Chapter 37 of Genesis, he's the favored son. He gets the coat of many colors. His dad loves him. His brothers know that he's the favored son. Then he has this vision, this dream, that he's going to be over his brothers, and they're going to bow down to him. They didn't take too kindly to that. So they beat him up and threw him in a pit. They wanted to kill him but decided not to, sold him into slavery, and the rest of his life was up and down, up and down. He rises to number two in the governor's house. Potiphar. And then he's falsely accused and thrown into prison. Then he's forgotten in prison. And he's there for many, many, many years. He didn't bring any of this on himself, really, other than the contempt and anger of his brothers. And then finally, he interprets some dreams for some guys. They get out of prison, and one of them remembers, hey, that guy, Joseph, he was a a guy who interpreted dreams, and he tells Pharaoh, because Pharaoh has this, this, this dream, And so they get Joseph out of prison, and Joseph explains the dream. He says there's going to be seven years of of fruitfulness, and then there's going to be a famine, so you need to save up during plenty so you have during times of want. You need to find somebody really smart to manage this. And Pharaoh says, well, that someone is you. You're the guy that's going to do this for me. And Joseph rises number two in all the land, second only to Pharaoh. And he stewards the entire operation flawlessly. And then his brothers come to town from up in Canaan. And they come to Egypt. And Joseph recognizes them immediately, but they don't recognize him. And the Bible says he goes around the corner and he weeps violently. He is overcome by a tsunami of emotions. He is totally devastated. It's all flooding back to him, what they did, how he hasn't seen his his younger brother who he loved deeply forever and ever, how he's been robbed of all this time with his father who he loved forever and ever. And he had an opportunity to decide, am I going to allow resentment and grudges and hatred to overcome me or not? He reveals himself to his brothers and they're fearful, of course, and he said, what you meant for wrong, God intends for good to save the lives of many people, not only my family, but not only all of of Israel, but all the people in Egypt, and he builds a bridge of peace where he had every right to call them to account. Of course, the greatest example is Jesus no greater example. He came to build a, pe- a bridge, a peace-making bridge between a sinful man and a holy God. Jesus is on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. May they find peace with God through my sacrifice. Jesus Christ came to allow us all to find peace. And it's Paul who started as an anti-Christian and then became an all-in Christian. And it's Paul who said, follow me as I follow Christ. Joseph, Jesus, Paul, great examples, all three. You see, what we do and say flows out of who we are. It goes back to last week's Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart. What we do and say flows out of who we are. Just think about that for a moment. What we say and do flows out of who we are. So what am I saying and what am I doing? Am I building people, building relationships, and building relational bridges to people? What we say and what we do flows out of who we are. Number three, conflict is not always a choice, but how we deal with conflict is a choice. Conflict is not always a choice, but how we deal with conflict is a choice. Now, I want to put a bunch of scriptures on screen, and I just want to uh, illustrate something. Uh, these are in the notes. We're not going to go through these, uh, but I wanted to just make this point for some of you that are interested, because many of our small groups are studying sermon notes, and individuals are using this in their devotional time. These are the key conflict resolution scriptures that I have spent a lot of time studying, I have, you know, and I encourage you to sit and soak and simmer, and saturate yourself in these scriptures, okay? Uh, These will be familiar to you. In fact, many of you can recognize different passages just from uh, the references. But I want to encourage you to take time individually on your own to study each and every one of these with a pen and paper in hand or at your computer and just start making devotional notes to yourself, application notes to yourself. You know, we not only need to anchor deep in the Beatitudes of Jesus, but also these other incredible conflict resolution passages. And so I want to give those to you. And I also want to be very, very practical here today because I know that some of you are in the midst of a very conflictual situation. So I am going to give you something that I've shared before. In fact, I, I ended up sharing this in one of my morning devotionals. Uh, some of you follow me on Facebook where I do a devotional every morning, and I, and I shared these six A's of conflict resolution. If we're gonna build peace, we need to be able to figure out how, how do you resolve conflict? And just real simply, let me give you these six A's. I found them to be very, very helpful as kind of a framework to help me as I go into uh, conflicted situations. Number one, affirm. Express appreciation and value the other person. Simply affirm. hey. Uh, I know we got this conflict, there's a problem going on, but, you know, I, I, I do appreciate you, and I really want to hear uh, what you have to say, so please share. I want to I listen. I'm going to take some notes even. I, I just really want to understand as best I can. And then number two, acknowledge, recognize, and consider their viewpoints. And, uh, um, well, I, I kind of jumped the gun there. Affirm, acknowledge. I already shared on both of those. Number three, assert. Respect the other person's position and then clearly and calmly state your own. Clearly and calmly state your own. You've already listened, you've affirmed them, you've already uh, listened to their concern uh, very intently, very carefully, wanting to learn, and then you've gained the right to share your own view. And in many situations, people are open to receive that. And then agree, find common ground to celebrate it. This is the one that's missed so often. I've been in so many. Uh, Uh, counseling sessions with uh, husbands and wives and other people. And and the thing that everybody focuses on is the thing that they're really upset about, and that's understandable, of course. But there's so many things that they agree on, that they they, uh, have a commonality about, that just kind of goes out the window. And I think that's important to just stop and take a a look at that. And then accept. Agree on what you can. Find mutual understanding for lingering differences. And if you must, disagree. uh, Disagree without being disagreeable. You may leave that, you know, uh, appointment, that conversation and say, you know, we are on different sides of this matter and that's going to happen. Certainly during this season, that's going to happen a lot. You know, you believe that way. I believe this way. Um, You know, we just disagree and then end with appreciation, kind of like you uh, started with uh, affirmation End with appreciation, you know, affirm again, encourage, support, honor. Hey, I really want you to know even though we disagree on this matter you know i respect you i love you i honor you i appreciate you uh take extra time to work on that bridge building component and then i I might even add a a a seventh one that kind of came to me here this week you may need to ask for forgiveness there may be something that you have done where you need to humble yourself you need to become meek and mild like jesus uh, teaches us and just say listen uh, this is one thing, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have uh, brought these other people in. I wouldn't have gossiped about this or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I want you to know that I'm very, very sorry. Would you forgive me? Six A's of conflict resolution, maybe even one more. Number four, pray for God to mature you and make you a peacemaker like him. You say, Rob, this is just so simple. You know, this is a step that so often is overlooked. And we pray about all sorts of things. But when it comes to these beatitudes, I'm not sure how many people pray them. Lord, help me become a peacemaker. Help me build bridges. Help me build people. Help me build relationships. And help me build relational bridges to other people. Pray that you will honor Christ in your relationships, especially the tough ones. Pray that you will rise above the fray and stand on Christ and glorify him by what you say and how you behave. Pray that you put into practice what you profess. You behave up to what you believe. You act in accordance to what you assert. St. Francis of Assisi is well known for many, many things. He was an Italian Catholic friar, a deacon, a mystic, a preacher. Pope Gregory IX canonized Francis on 16 July 1228. St. Francis loved the Eucharist. He uh, is credited with arranging the first live nativity scene in 1223. Interesting. In 1224, he received the stigmata, wounds of Christ, during Passion Week. First to do that, so it's stated. But out of all of those things, the thing that I always think about when I think of St. Francis of Assisi is that when we were in Italy a few years ago, I desperately wanted to go there just because of him, but we didn't make it, so I regret that, but maybe one day, who knows. But besides that, the other thing I really, really think about is a prayer that he penned that I read periodically just to kind of uh, filter my life through it. And I want to encourage you to consider making this a prayer you pray on a regular basis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Fellow Christians, dear friends, we have a choice to make. What will define us, grievances or grace, Contempt or compassion, peacemaking or not. Finally, number five, do all you can and trust God with the rest. Look at this scripture. Look at the three phrases. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, that means it may not always be possible. As far as it depends on you, that means it doesn't always depend on you. Live at peace with everybody. There are going to be times where your peacemaking efforts are rebuffed, rebuked, denied. It's not going to work every time. I think it's important to kind of complete the circle with this fifth and final point. It's not going to work every time. Other people won't be interested. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. Uh, They don't like you. They don't like me. They don't want to build a bridge. They would rather be angry or they are too hurt or whatever the reasons might be. It's not always going to work. But that can never be an excuse for us doing the noble work of peacemaking. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, that's a key phrase to me. Rob, as far as it depends on you, you've got to do everything you possibly can. Live at peace with everyone. I like what the rest of this chapter says. It goes on a little bit further. And it just goes on and says, you know, basically, furthermore, don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Remember what we talked about during the forgiveness sermon? You know, we don't excuse what a person's done to us when they've hurt us, but we do recuse ourselves from the situation. We don't live the rest of our life with a vendetta or vengeance or revenge on our mind or grudge and resentment on our mind. No, we forgive and and we let go and let God and we leave it to the Lord and we move on. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life back there with that situation. I'm going to move on. On the contrary, it says, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> be kind, be compassionate, be empathetic, be like Christ. Verse 21, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. People that dislike you, people that have different opinion, different beliefs, different persuasions, different thought process. Overcome evil with good. So how are things in your relationships? How about your marriage? How about your family? How about your extended family? How about friendships? It's been a tough couple of years. And if you're like many, You've experienced conflict. What is God saying to you in this moment about your role in being a peacemaker? I guarantee you, he didn't say anywhere in the Bible, hey, when it comes to 2020, just forget all that stuff I said. That's nowhere in the Bible. In fact, when times are hardest is when we need to anchor deeper in God's words and God's ways. Lord, I pray your blessing upon everybody that's here. God, I know for a certainty that many, 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 within the sound of my voice, both in this service, other services, and online, would say, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to do the noble work of peacemaking. Give me grace. Give me the strength to do it well. God, I pray first of all for those that need to make peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray. Lord, for each and every one of those, dear friends, within the sound of my voice, if you're hearing this and you have not committed your life to Christ, I invite you to do so. Just say, Lord, I want to make peace with you through faith in Christ. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you the rest of my life. I want to become a Christian. I want to be a person of faith, a Christian. I want to go to heaven. As you pray those words, the Bible says God will come into your life and save you and forgive you. We need the peace of God. How many are here today? I would say... Lord, I need your peace with regard to this situation. What are you going through right now? What storms are you going through right now? I'm going through a couple myself, some things that just have my insides kind of all tied up in knots. How about you? What are you going through right now where you need the peace of God that passeth all understanding, knowing that it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? Reach out to him. Reach out to him. Lord, I need your peace. I need your peace. That peace that passeth all understanding. I need that peace to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How about peace with other people, which has been the major focus of our study here today? Ask God to help you be a peacemaker in that situation as far as it depends on you. To build people, build relationships, and build relational bridges to people. If you're committing your life to Christ or if you have a special prayer need, would you tell us about it on that connection card? There's a physical one in front of you. If you're here live, if you're online, there's a digital version. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you and help in any way we possibly can. Lord, I pray your blessing as we get ready to leave this place in just a moment. May we go in your grace. May we go in your peace. And may we go in your love. In Jesus' name we pray invite you to stand with me. Our prayer team's going to come down, and uh, we're going to sing a final song. And as we do, I invite you to step out, come forward for prayer. Maybe we can uh, encourage you as we pray together. Let's sing together.